You have tuned in to a study of Paul's epistle to the Philippians. We're studying chapter 2, where Paul has just completed discussing a servant, a real servant of Christ. His name was Timothy. He was totally unselfish. And in our text today, beginning with verse 25, he talks about still another man who was unselfish, and this person's name is Epaphroditus. He was from Philippi. And as his name suggests, he was a Gentile, and he was probably named after the goddess Aphrodite. Notice the similarity. Epaphroditus. Well, here's the background. The church had sent Epaphroditus as its official representative to carry a special gift to Paul. And that's recorded in chapter 4, verse 15. I'd better read that for you. He said, And you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. And even in Thessalonica you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek a gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. Well, it was Epaphroditus who brought that gift. They wanted to encourage Paul in his gospel ministry. They sent the gift after he left them, and they wanted to be a part of his ministry. And by the way, I should remind us that this epistle to the Philippians is pretty much a thank you letter for that gift. Well, Epaphroditus had arrived in Rome with a gift, and Paul was very grateful. Now, how long a journey was it from Philippi to Rome? The journey covered more than 1,000 miles. In verse 25, Paul indicates wanting to send Epaphroditus back to Philippi. And some scholars assume that this epistle was carried there by him. Now, we want to read the text beginning with verse 25. But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need, because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick to the point of death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I have sent him all the more eagerly, in order that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less concerned about you. Therefore, receive him in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard. I want to call attention how Paul described this man, Epaphroditus, in verse 25. He calls him my brother. That means he's a fellow believer in Christ. He's a member of the same family. That is our spiritual family, for everyone who believes becomes a child of God and has the same father. And brother is the most common word for believer in the New Testament. 
A believer in Christ is called a brother or brethren 180 times. How often is the word Christian used to refer to a believer? Only three times. There's another name or another word used to describe believers. It's saint. 62 times in the Bible. Paul also describes him as a fellow worker. He must have served with Paul in Philippi when the church was founded for him to, for Paul to say that. And Paul used the same word in 1 Corinthians 3 when speaking of himself and Apollos. He described them as fellow workers with God. They were not competing for popularity. They were not competitors. They were both fellow workers serving the same God. Paul also describes Epaphroditus as a fellow soldier. Why that term? Because they were in spiritual warfare. Paul did not view gospel preaching as a means of earning a living. It was a battle against evil forces who had captured the souls of men. Paul and Epaphroditus had a common enemy, the devil. He's also called the serpent in the Bible, the dragon, and Satan. And these men were on active duty for Christ in spiritual warfare. He also referred to him as a man who ministered to my need. And here he uses the Greek word for priestly service. Helping a brother in prison was priestly service. Because the gospel of Christ was not imprisoned. Whatever help he gave Paul promoted the progress of the gospel. Paul was bound, but the gospel was not chained. Regardless of where Paul was, he made the gospel known. Listen to the last chapter of the book of Acts, verse 16. And when we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who was guarding him. And we also read that he stayed two full years in his own rented home and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. So being a prisoner didn't stop Paul from preaching or teaching. What needs might Paul have had while he was in prison? Well, he had poor health. Epaphroditus may have served him as a nurse. Paul had needs in regard to food and clothing, and the need for a Christian friend. Epaphroditus served him, meeting those needs. There weren't any vending machines in those days, and if you needed anything as a prisoner, you had to have someone go out and get it for you. Well, Epaphroditus became sick, seriously sick, and he almost died. And in verse 26, Paul writes an incredible description of this man. It says, Epaphroditus was distressed because the Philippians had heard that he was sick, and he didn't want to bring pain to other people or sorrow to them. He wanted to keep it to himself. He was so given to serving others that he felt he wronged them because information had gone to Philippi, and the people had heard of his sickness. What a rare man he was. He didn't have an ounce of self-pity. Unlike him, when you and I get sick, we get upset if everyone does not hear about our problem. Most of us want attention. 
not Epaphroditus. He probably apologized to his fellow Christians in Philippi when he arrived for having caused them sorrow concerning his own sickness. What kind of a man might do that? Only one who considers others better than himself, and who submits to the mind of Christ described earlier here in Philippians chapter 2. Christ humbled himself and took the form of a servant, humbling himself to the point of death on the cross. Now that was unselfish love, and Epaphroditus had it. What an example he is to all of us. We have no hint of the nature of his illness, but from verse 30, we see that it came as a result of his work for Christ. He may have overextended himself in his duties. Paul doesn't say how. He may have lost sleep. He may have gone without food. He may have exposed himself to the elements of nature and perhaps became sick or had the flu or something similar. Did any others risk their lives for Paul like Epaphroditus? Yes. The Bible tells us about a man and his wife, Priscilla and Aquila. Listen to Romans chapter 16, verse 3. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risk their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. The expression risking his life was a gambling term. It meant willing to lose all for Christ. I have heard of men who call themselves ministers of Christ who don't want to lose anything, and they bitterly complain when they can't control everything in the church and when they don't get a pay raise that's equal to someone else. Paul and these men that he is describing here were willing to give up everything for Christ. They were real servants. And if you have a servant like that in your church, honor him. So Paul in this letter then to the Philippians reminds them in verse 29 that when Epaphroditus arrives, he writes, Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem, because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Epaphroditus was willing to die to get that gift from the Philippians to Paul in his prison in Rome. And so Paul says, when he comes, give him high regard. Hold men like this in high esteem. And receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness. I mean... Let's have a ceremony when he comes. The word receive is one of 19 Greek words translated receive in our New Testament. This one means to receive favorably in the sense of welcoming and also to look for or to wait for. The Pharisees use this word when criticizing Jesus. 
they said, this man receives sinners. That is, he welcomes sinners and eats with them. These sinners were the non-religious Jews, the ones who did not follow all the traditions. And Jesus enthusiastically greeted them like old friends. Jesus didn't tolerate them. He identified with them. And that's the pattern that we ought to follow. Just because people don't go to church doesn't mean they have rejected God. They may not go to church because they've had it with some churches or with some preachers. They may have been offended, or they may have discovered sitting in church one day that I've been coming to this church for 15 years, and I still don't know anything about the Bible. Now, when you meet such people, welcome them in the Lord. There are many people who don't go to church who prefer to stay home and read their Bibles. They want God's Word, but they don't want a lot of political or social opinions on Sunday morning. When I visit a church, I want to hear what God has to say, not what a man thinks about the world scene. If church isn't preparing you, you might want to visit our Sunday morning Bible class where you will hear the Bible taught verse by verse. We're interested in teaching people in this class, and many people come because they want to know what the Bible says. A class meets at 9.15 each Sunday morning. It's free. We invite you to attend. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.